All right. What's up, Dean? How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. Episode 13. Going fast. Episode 13, I know, right? Um, how you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Had, uh, you know, a few of the gang in town this week. Did a couple days on, uh, they snowboard, so I have to leave the beautifully groomed slopes of Deer Valley where it's nice and quiet and you don't have to deal with snowboarders and mm-hmm. get on over to Park City because they're all snowboarding freaks. So, got you know, it. It was got it. good. We, we had some fresh snow, so it was actually a pretty cool week. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I've uh, I've actually never skied or snowboarded. I've only done the snowblades. Have you seen those? Uh, they were popular. Those little tiny ones? Yeah, yeah. I did that because when I was in high school, I tore my ACL. I actually tore two maiden ligaments in my knee. Huh. So any kind of skiing or boarding is the only thing that messes with it still. Wow. Um, and so those my de- look death though. Yeah. So my doctor told me at the time that that's the safest one for me to try and do. Um, but even that yeah. messed with me. So I just pretty much pretty much stay away. Although I wish I could, wish I could do it because it looks fun. Well, <clears throat> the legs are still strong. The shoulder and the neck and the back, you know, <laughs> are, are aging. But my legs seem to just stay strong. So. There you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, so it's today we're recording. It's February 24th. So this episode will come out tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're about 12 hours-ish into Russia invading yeah. Ukraine. Um, Jake and I reached out to a bunch of people to try and do an episode today just on what's going on, how we should think about it. So hopefully we'll yeah. have an episode out early next week. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, pretty crazy. It's, it's just sad. You know, I think war is always the to be avoided at all costs and, mm-hmm. you know we're, we're not uh geopolitical uh, advisors mm-hmm. here, but it would seem to me there were some other courses of action that could have prevented this and but here we are we, you know in this war hopefully we stay as far away from it as possible it's gonna it's gonna really hurt low-income people because mm-hmm. energy costs are gonna go mm-hmm. more and more that's gonna hurt um inflation because the cost of moving goods is going to increase. And so mm-hmm. Amazon's getting pounded, you know, in the market because deliveries are going to just, it's just going to force prices up. And we're mm-hmm. already at 7.5% inflation. Mm-hmm. I saw reports of 9%. Yeah. And I don't think that's happened in 50 years. So is that really, that's the highest in 50 years? It's been, it's insane. So anyways, hallelujah. We got yeah. that all the more reason why we got to, you know, build great businesses and uh, build wealth and, uh, give it away and do all the good things that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely even the lead up to yesterday has affected the market. I was looking like a lot of these, um, a lot of these tech stocks are now back to where they were before COVID yep. completely. So it's, yep. uh, it's an interesting, an interesting yeah. time for sure. Yeah. Hopefully, like I say, hopefully we'll have an episode out early next week, just talking mm-hmm. about kind of the whole thing, how Christians should think about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Other definitely. than obviously just be praying for everything that's happening and, um, yeah. you know, believe in the best. So today, um, I want to run an idea by you, uh, that, um, came from an article that I read. It's actually been a couple of months ago, but it's something that I go back to from time to time because I think the idea is pretty good. I don't know how, um, I don't know how real it is. I don't know how possible it really is, but I want to get your idea on it. And then that's going to lead us into talking about, uh, should somebody start, a product business or a service business. Um, mm. So we'll jump into that. But I actually got a call yesterday from a friend that I knew in junior high school. So he was actually one of my first friends that I, uh, one of my first friends I made after becoming a Christian. He's a bivocational pastor in Austin and runs a, uh, basically spends half of his time pastoring in a local church there and then runs a flooring company. Um, with five employees and he just, he literally called me, uh, the other day to just tell me how much he's loving the podcast. So that was, I thought that was pretty cool. He's loving it. And, um, I mean, by the way, if you're going to plant a church in 2022, Mm -hmm. you should be a bivocational pastor. I don't think like, I think the way forward to accelerate church planting and and church and the growth of those plants is bivocational all the way. And Mm -hmm. you, I think the model is going to shift so much that. I don't, unless your church, you know, cracks, you know, really a thousand, two thousand gets mm-hmm. into that zone, you should stay by vocational. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I see too many uh, pastors retiring that are poor. 
And, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a thousand reasons why that is, you know, mm-hmm. they, they opted out of social security. They didn't put that opt out money into a 401k. They didn't mm-hmm. have a 401k. They didn't invest all the things that, you know, kind of you would be common sense, but are not really common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. my vocational pastoral ministry, I think, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about the tech, right? Do, technology, do, yeah. Technology does half the work now in the church, so. right? Yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking a lot about that recently, especially even in in my context, right? So pastoring mm-hmm. in a city like yeah. LA that I feel right. God has called me to, and so 100%. because of that, um, I don't have the luxury of going. Um, where do I want to move so that I can buy a house? You know, so right, even exactly. like the last couple of years, I've literally been thinking a lot about how can I just be faithful to what God's called me to do and not need or, or not rely on just the ministry to help me build the life right. that I want to live. So I right. totally, totally agree. Um, totally sure. agree with that. Um, we so should a, we should do a whole thing on that at some point. We should. I think it's a really big because, you know, we have a lot of people listening to us that are business people. Mm-hmm. They're believers. You know, we come from the place of faith when it comes mm-hmm. to business and wealth and um, generosity. So it'd be good to kind of talk about ministry and, and work at some point. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I have a lot of thoughts around it. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to do that. One thing that was interesting um, I read last year was that there's a lot of people that are anticipating some of the tax benefits for pastors being removed at some point in the next decade, Eventually. Um, yeah. which would obviously also mean pastors would need to figure out how to make some some extra income. I don't know if that's real. I don't know how possible that actually is. But, but um, you know, in, in this world that's so anti-Christian and anti-church, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just never know what they're mm-hmm. going to do next. But mm-hmm. it's probably if you're making under 100K as a minister, you're probably getting a 30% bump mm-hmm. on the tax saving. So it's really like making a buck 30. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. If that ever went away, I haven't heard of that. But if it did, that'd be a that'd be an issue. Yeah, yeah, it really would be. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk startup studios. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I came across this article. It's a it's a Substack that I subscribe to um, called Late Checkout. The the reason I subscribe to it, the guy who who writes it is named Greg Eisenberg. Um, I find his stuff pretty helpful, mainly because most of what he does centers around building online communities. So mm-hmm. obviously, because I'm building a podcast network and, and media company, that's a big part of what we are aiming to do. So it's been good to just kind of learn from what he's done. And he came out with an article uh, a couple of months ago called Is the Future of Startups uh, Studios, or what he calls is the golden age of the product studio. So I guess quickly, just to give you some context, this guy, Greg, uh, has a company called Late Checkout, which is, from everything I can tell, it's an angel fund that invests in companies that are building community-based businesses. Um, He's an advisor to Reddit. He was the former head of product strategy at WeWork. He had a company that he actually sold to WeWork and then then, uh, went on there. He's been an advisor at TikTok. So he's been around for a while. Yeah. He's helped build communities uh, and tech products for like Microsoft, FedEx, NASCAR, TechCrunch. So, you know, um, he's done done yeah, a dude. fair amount from everything I can, I can tell. Um, but basically in this article, he asked the question, um, startups are very risky, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast yeah. before. And he said, what if there was a way to eliminate much of the risk without losing out on the possible reward? Um, and so his prediction is what he calls a startup studio or a project or a product studio, um, would, uh, breed, uh, major outcomes for founders, which is essentially, if you think a product studio or a startup studio is essentially a lab for generating and testing ideas, uh, and then turning them into businesses is what he calls a de-risking machine. So these little, do the, do the, uh, the founders give up like obviously more equity to be in this studio that de-risks because you've got a bunch of other experienced operators and you're all collaborating. And so you're giving up something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I don't fully um, understand what the exact model of it is. And I guess that's mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm curious your thoughts because mm-hmm. what it would essentially mean would be, um, yeah, a group of three or four people. I think he has a staff of, of, you know, a dozen yeah. people or so that Look, are just probably, tinkering, right? Yeah, look, you're going to give up some equity, but you know, if it's your first time, mm-hmm. it might be a really good thing because you're mm-hmm. going to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, the thing about startups and starting companies is that you, if you, if that's in your DNA, you know, 
you're going to probably do it a bunch in your life. And the faster you can fail, the quicker you can get to success. Mm-hmm. And if you can de-risk things early on as you're learning, if you're in your 20s and you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start businesses, you know, getting in this kind of studio type environment, I wonder if it's similar to like in the old days of movie studios, like you had production houses mm-hmm. and they bought it all in house. Mm-hmm. Now it's since kind of splintered back out the other way, mm-hmm. um, you know, making content because of the ability for every person with a Mac and a, and a you know, DSL camera, you can mm-hmm. make a film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, bringing all the stuff in house to be able to really work on stuff could be a great idea, especially if you're first, you know, first, second time, mm-hmm. um, the, the, and we say it here all the time, everything, all the knowledge you need is available for free. You just mm-hmm. got to go, or go find it and get it, spend the time learning. But, um, look, collaboration is something that, you know, I think the world does better than the church sometimes. Mm-hmm. The church is all these little siloed, you know, things in a city and the Baptists don't talk to the Methodists and the Pentecostals don't talk to anyone. And um, <laughs> so it's it's like, yeah, collaboration. I, I used to love how hip-hop, I'm not a hip-hop music person, but mm-hmm. I, I used to love when two artists or three artists and, you know, they'd get together and do something and it'd be it'd blow up or they older artists would get with the younger artists mm-hmm. and bring them up on a record. And I just think that whole thing is good. Mm-hmm. And so this could be a really good thing if you're a young entrepreneur wanting to learn the ropes and learn fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my um, my question because it would seem like, at least when I first read this, the, the way I read it was um, three or four people would go to an investor. So let's say me and a couple buddies go to you and we say, hey, Dean, um, we – you know, have a idea. We think that part of what he says is, you know, uh, looking for verticals to build products for. So I come to you and I say, Hey Dean, um, I love golf. Golf is growing. There's this new trend in golf where we're making it hip and cool again. Me and Mm -hmm. three buddies are going to start tinkering around with, uh, making products for golf. Right. Right. And then we say to you, Hey, so instead of having one idea, we just want you to buy into this vertical as a whole. We want you to fund a few years of us being able to tinker around and testing products. Um, to me, if I'm the investor in that I'm going, well, yeah, I guess I would be more likely to invest in something like that. If those people were uh, proven operators and builders, I think you need some track record there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you need some skills like, Maybe, you know, track record is one thing, but maybe if there's a marketing guy, there's a sales guy, mm-hmm. there's a technical guy and you come in, right. And you're like, Hey, we're passionate about golf. And you, you show me a business plan where, you know, there's, here's these five opportunities to go and disrupt some part of the market. Um, the first company that puts NFC inside a golf ball. Mm. So when I walk, when I loot, you know, when I snap hook it into the desert mm-hmm. under a bush, but I got my phone with me and, and it lights up, mm-hmm. that, that's a billion dollar idea right there. But I, I predict that they, Titleist will never do it because they're in the business of selling golf balls. Well, so that was, that was going to be, yeah, that was going to be my question, right? Is like, you almost wonder for anyone that's over a certain skill level, they wouldn't want it. But for just the casual golfer, it wouldn't matter if it affects the flight of the ball or the power or whatever it is, because ultimately. The technology's there. Like yeah. you, the NFC chips are like minute. So you, it's not a technical issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know. Like maybe the balls are 50 bucks, right? For, mm-hmm. for three of them, but mm-hmm. you, they're just unlosable. <laughs> so right. <laughs> it's a different model. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so let's actually, let's work our way back. Cause he, he sort of talks about this as, as an idea of, okay, so let's use golf in this example, right? Let's sure. find a, you know, let's find a vertical. Uh, we believe that, you know, there's 25 product possibilities in the golf space that haven't been experimented with yet. One of those could be a massive hit. So me and three friends are going to get together. We're going to build this startup studio and let's pretend that, um, let's pretend we don't have any proven history in building companies. Right. Um, he says, okay, so how do you fund it? Cause again, this is this great thought of like, everyone can go, yeah, it'd be fun to like figure this out with some friends and tinker and try stuff and test stuff. Um, so he, he talks about three different ways of going about funding something like this. Um, so the first one is essentially running a services business. So this can either be consulting, contracting, 
uh, which we'll talk about that in a second. I know you mentioned film earlier. I know a group of filmmakers that I have been friends with in LA who they started this about 10 years ago. They're this collective, they come together and they shoot commercials and music videos as a business. And then on the side, they're all working on each other's uh, narrative projects. Each right. each one now since has had done movies for studios. It's it's worked very well. But the way they all paid for it was saying we're going to build a service business that produces you know commercials, right? So that's his first way: build a service business, use that right. to cash that's flow all the other ideas, right? right? The other idea was obviously raise VC, which I think we've pretty much said that makes sense. Maybe for again people with a proven track record or um, a pedigree, right? Right. If you're a product market, you know, guy, you know, a product guy from Facebook or like if you've got experience in, in, you know, you, you're, this is not, you're not in your early twenties, you know, you're, you're in your later twenties, maybe thirties, you've mm -hmm. worked in companies, you've developed experience, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're going for the plumbing vertical and you want to build software and apps for plumbers and you've run a plumbing business and then you've got a technical guy and you've got a marketing guy. Like it's just, you know, pick the vertical experience is always critical. Mm -hmm. I think there's, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's guys that have gone and done things. Um, and one will come to mind in a minute. There's one I, I can think about that where the person didn't have experience and what they were building and selling. Mm -hmm. That's rare. right. Uh, I, I always like to come from that position of I'm an expert in something. Mm -hmm. Let me go and build a business around that. Mm -hmm. but you, could, you could approach it like that. Yeah. One, one thought I had when you said that too is, I, an, another reaction that I had to this article was don't a lot of companies already do this internally, right? So R&D, I mean, couldn't not to, you know, uh, Tidely as an example, Tidely could say we have a, we're going to start a little lab within our company because we know this space, we know the people that work for us, and we're going to now go spend X amount of year on R&D tinkering. It seems like a lot of companies you know do that. Anyway. Famous for that is mm -hmm. Google. Right. Like they have so much money. You, because it, it, it's some, because R&D is, is a write-off, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, you, um, you expense it, right? So you're printing cash mm -hmm. and you think, well, I'm either going to give, you know, 20 or 30% of that in tax, or I'm going to go spend, spend it to make more money. Mm -hmm. And so all these big companies pound the money into R and D, mm -hmm. um, and, and spin off all these labs within, you know, Apple does it, Google, they're all doing it. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, that's where Gmail came from, mm -hmm. you know? It doesn't make money, <laughs> right? But it's uh, but it's uh, I it's, think ninety percent of the revenue is still search. Yeah, but look at all the fantastic look, you know, products that we get. But then mm -hmm. you know they acquire YouTube and they you know put mm -hmm. the, the juice on that thing, and that's standalone by mm -hmm. itself, probably the Netflix now as far mm -hmm. as revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, taking money from your profit and putting it back into R and D in, in a lab, absolutely, it happens all day. Mm -hmm. But the reasons the startup ecosystem is so powerful, it's a different dynamic. And that's the key. You get a startup mentality that is scrappy and ready to, you know, kind of break the mold and, and do different things and look at it from a different angle. So you've got a hundred, you know, 200 year old sport like golf. And, you know, you've had some innovations in golf. Obviously the guy that started Callaway, I think he'd, he'd retired. He was like 65, Eli Callaway. Mm -hmm. So he literally had a great career and had the idea to take, you know, the driver from wood, you know, that was about this big to this giant titanium mm -hmm. kind of, you know, mm -hmm. club. That he, he did that in his sixties, which is inspirational to me. Mm -hmm. Um and so yeah, everything's open to be disrupted. Mm -hmm. But and it's usually the startup scrappy small group of people that go and disrupt. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole revelation yeah. of startups. They, right. They just do and try things that no one else is prepared to do. Right. And I guess what makes that hard in a bigger company oftentimes is sort of just the bureaucracy, the corporate, uh, kind oh, of just all the stuff, right, that makes that difficult. And I guess there are big companies that can figure out a way to flex into that when they when yep. they need to. So, okay, so run a service business, number one, which we're going to talk more about in a second, raise VC. And then the third way that he says you could fund something like this is by acquiring a profitable business. So you can use your own capital or someone else's for the purchase. Since the business acquiring is already profitable, uh, bank loans, debt financing are an, are an option. This is something that I found interesting um, that idea of yeah buying uh, some kind of cash flow positive business mm -hmm. um, that's something you don't hear a lot about and not to throw back uh, to Tony Robbins but that was something Tony Robbins always said right is before you start a business right buy a business that is you know a small business that's not doing too well that you think you can turn around and make successful um, right. 
And that's something I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't think a lot about. I, I think that's because they think they can go and do stuff from scratch better, faster, stronger than resurrecting something that, and look, if something is cash flow positive, it's not cheap to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. It's, mm-hmm. it's that so, there's some kind of multiple of, you know, that either that revenue or that EBITDA mm-hmm. that you can go and buy that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to probably going to leverage your way into it with debt, mm-hmm. buy this thing, you know, take five, 10 years to get your money back. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, I think the mind of an entrepreneur is, hmm, there's a business and it's doing pretty good. I'm just going to go compete against that and start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think most entrepreneurs don't go that route of buying a business and making it better. Now, is there times to buy a business? Sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, my instinct is always to build from scratch first, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. product market fit, get you know revenue, get to profitability one year, five years, seven years, whatever that is, you know, keep reinvesting in the business. And then once my flywheel is spinning mm-hmm. and profits start to come, then I'm going to look around and use profit to maybe acquire, you know, businesses that help me, you know, get more customers. And I'm going to buy a company that has, you know, a bunch of customers and the same thing I'm doing and add that to my customer base and then tweak the products and make them better and all the rest of it. I just think the mind of the entrepreneur thinks that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I I don't much think about what what business can I go buy and sort of make better. Now I you know I have I have a friend in Texas who buys um, he buys he goes to rural areas in the south around lakes and he buys storage facilities, boat storage facilities wow. that have generally older owners who are still operating on cash and check. Yep. And he buys them out of the space, does a quick little renovation, but doesn't even do much. Mainly, he just makes it all digital um, yep. and can essentially run it from his phone. And I think he now has like, I don't know, eight or 10 of these. And I yeah, think each cool. one nets him, you know, 100 grand a year or whatever. So I guess something like that where you are like, yep. you know. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a real estate play there. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a, a modernization play mm-hmm. there, right? That's pretty genius. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's where a mind of an entrepreneur could make sense in something like that. It doesn't. Those kind of things don't get me very excited. Although I see the, I yeah. see that you can make some money, but I don't lay around in bed at night thinking of a way to, you know, go buy a bunch it, of laundromats and and right. you know modernize them. Even though that's a good business, I just yeah. you know, look if there's a depressed business, that's the one you probably I could look at. Right, it, the business is depressed, and there's opportunity to take what is you know today a, a junk heap and uh, you know jack it up. You know, that's a lot of people make a lot of money doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was tempted to ask another question to take us into a bit of a different direction, but I'll hold on that and, and ask <laughs> if we get if we get if we have some time left over. So, OK, so that's his idea of a startup studio. What do you what do you think? Do you think that a young entrepreneur should be thinking that way or do you think they should focus on the thing? Or do you think it all determines, uh, you know, maybe uh, expertise and makeup and, and passion? Look, my number one preference of starting a business is bootstrap. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I've always done it. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a young entrepreneur yesterday, actually, got a phenomenal beta testing of his product, mm-hmm. had a phenomenal result. Mm-hmm. It actually was profitable, mm-hmm. this one test. Mm-hmm. And so, and and I'm like, Okay, so he's like, should I raise money? I'm like, hold, go and do three more months of testing. Go and try and expand your client base for three more months. I said, like, how long can you live on not taking any money? He says, like, four months, but I'm going to need to hire staff. I'm like, okay, rice and beans for four months. Mm -hmm. Preserve every bit of cash you have. Mm -hmm. Go and demonstrate that this is legit. There's product market fit. There's a, a way for this to scale and there's a way to profitability. And then at that point, instead of raising, you know, like a couple hundred grand at a $2 million valuation, maybe you go get 500 grand, you know, at a five or $10 million valuation and, and hold on. So bootstrapping in my mind, hands down, especially in the early, early, early stages of you starting a business. You're basically working a job, saving money, mm-hmm. doing night work, doing mm-hmm. stuff on the weekends to bootstrap this thing and get it cooking. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that to me is the best way to start a business. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. hands down. Yeah. Because if, if you get investment too early, you give up chunks of your business. And, you know, like, and most, you know, I think angels and, and, and then, you know, they have kind of integrity. But, you know, there's some times when, when companies need capital and you can go in there and buy 10, 20% of that business on the cheap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not great for founders down the track. Mm-hmm. So be wise when you, you know, look for money. Money's not going to be the problem if you have a business that's growing mm-hmm. and, and can become profitable. Mm-hmm. You're going to, there's, there's more money around today than there's ever been ever in the history of the world right. for companies and, and founders and, and all this. So hold, hold, hold for as long as you can. And then at some point, you're going to have this proven, you know, then you're going to come with a real deck to an investor and you're going to go, here's what I've done for the last six, 12 months. Here's the revenue I've generated. Here's where I want to take this business. Here's how I'm going to grow it. Here's the green field. Here's the TAM. Here's all the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like, great, you know, here's a million dollars for, you know, at a $10 million valuation and you're off to the races and you only let go 10% of your company and you got maybe 18 months of runway. Right. Like to go and buy three or four people, accelerate this whole thing and away you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's great. So let's, um, let's, I, I don't think that's good. You know, you, you just talked about talking to this young founder that, and sort of the question was, you know, how, how long can you go without taking any money from here? How do you mm-hmm. continue to build this to get to a place where, like you said, you can go, um, and, and raise at a better valuation and really set yourself up for, for success that way. So one of the things, obviously this, you know, this guy, Greg talked about, and then something that you've talked about is, yeah, um, uh, start a service-based business or use f- figure out another way to make some money to cash flow yourself and your family right. while you're doing this. So um, let's well, The talk- reason he's saying that, mm-hmm. and we're about to pivot that, so let's just go there. Mm-hmm. Service businesses have pros and cons, like mm-hmm. everything. The, the, you know, the big pro of it is I can take something I'm good at and go and sell that mm-hmm. right to the market. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's accounting. Maybe it's, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick a trade, mm-hmm. right? So I can go on his, you know, my product is my skills doing something for you. That's called a service. Mm-hmm. The downside of that, it is very hard to scale. Right. And so, and that's okay. Maybe making, you know, 200 grand a year as a plumber, living happily ever after, minding your own business, you mm-hmm. know, raising your family, nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we need thousands of those <laughs> people in, in the church doing great, you know, great solo operators, making great living for their family, giving to their local church, reporting missions, church planning, all the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's services, right? And mm-hmm. we can talk a little bit more about it, but that's essentially hard to scale and and hard to, hard to run 50 plumbers. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just hard. I've seen guys do it. Some guys are really successful. Some guys can really do it and do well. Mm-hmm. Um, scale is the, is the big holdback when it mm-hmm. comes to service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was going to be my, my main question is that scale. And then how much can somebody actually earn? Which I think a lot of times people, at least from what I've seen, overestimate uh, what they can earn just with okay. some some kind of of service, or at least that's been maybe my my case, which I want to I'll talk about in a second. But so let's talk about that the difference between a service business and a product business, um, mm-hmm. because I think that's a really important thing to know the difference between. I think most people when it, it, most people outside of the sort of tech Silicon Valley space when they think start a business, from my experience, most of the time what they mean is start a a service business, um, which is some sort of an agency or consulting or whatever that mm-hmm. might might look mm-hmm. like. Um, mm-hmm. Any other time that I've stepped away or not had a, um, a a job has been doing my own business, which is a service business. So I've yeah. you know consulting, um, right. all that all, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and I, I can talk about at least some of the the problems that I've experienced personally in that, in that kind of space, but let's just maybe talk about the the difference. So give yep. us like a, what is, what's the difference between a service business and a product business? So let's, let's roll back a little. Let's say I am a, uh, a consultant mm-hmm. and I have expertise in, you know, whatever. Here's my limitations. Hours in the day. Mm-hmm. How much can I charge per hour? Because essentially, these are hourly. Your my skills 
are worth X. The problem with the service business for me providing a service to you is I can only bill you so many hours. Mm -hmm. So, but so let's say I'm a hundred an hour, mm -hmm. right? I got to work 10 hours to get a thousand bucks. All right. Well, 10 hours a day is pretty standard for, you know, entrepreneur. We work hard. Um, let's say you're really a gung ho and you do that six days a week, right? Mm -hmm. That's 6,000. Now I have expenses, you know, I'm, I got cost of goods. I got cogs, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe I have, you know, equipment I've got to do. I got software I got to do. I got bookkeeping. I got what's it cost me to run this business. You know, it might be 30%. Mm -hmm. right? So I'm, I'm making, you know, five or six, let's call it five grand a week in my services business cost me a thousand. So I'm making four. Right. And that's 20 grand a month. Right. And then I'm going to pay taxes on that. You know, you know, let's say I net, I don't know, 12, mm -hmm. right. Times that by 12, that's 144 grand a year, mm -hmm. but I'm working five or six days a week. Mm -hmm. And that's as much as I can ever earn. Right. Unless instead of, instead of, a, you know, a hundred an hour, now I'm really good and I can charge 200 now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe after two years and I'm so good and I get these clients and I'm such a whiz, now I can take my income to 300,000 mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. So it, mm -hmm. it all, the math works, but really it, unless you're at a hundred bucks an hour doing 50 hours a week, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to, between cogs and tax, you're going to be left with half that. Mm -hmm. So can and you get to 300 hour? Can you get to 400 hour? Like, Mm -hmm. So the, uh, those are the the back of the napkin math that you got to do around services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could I hire a buddy who's good and charge him out at one fifty, and you know pay him a hundred and make fifty on him? That's mm -hmm. how service businesses grow. Mm -hmm. I, I'm 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 two hundred now, but you can have my associate here for one fifty, and I'm going to be overseeing it, and then I pay him a hundred and I take the fifty. Mm -hmm. And could I get ten people doing that? That's how plumbers do it. That's how trades do it. Um, that's how consultancies do it. Agencies do it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a hotshot designer and I'm, I'm a thousand bucks an hour and, but I got these other hotshots and they're going to charge them out at X and that's how lawyers do it. That's how accountants do it. That's mm -hmm. how those businesses grow. Uh, very, very hard to do. And man, there's a lot of, you know, the problem with those businesses is that they, you need more support, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. so, so you don't just have the skill being like sold as a service. Now you need all this support stuff. You, you need bookkeepers. You need people to run the office. You need, mm -hmm. like, so your cogs start going up mm -hmm. and your profit starts coming down. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that services in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And not to mention, uh, your life is working with clients, which is <laughs> something that you have to decide too, right? Which, which everybody in some ways, some people do, some people don't, right? Yeah. If you're not a people person and mm -hmm. you're not energized by being around people. You were not very last very long in the services. Business. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're sort of like, you know, in my experience doing that, you're doing all of this work as like an, an entrepreneur, quote unquote entrepreneur. But really, you're just still laying in bed at night, realizing I just I'm eating what I catch every day. So every day. there's no you're not building necessarily. And there are some instances where you can. I know people who have done it successfully with agencies and stuff like that. Sure. But you're not building for some kind of exponential growth. You're essentially waking up every morning remind look, being reminded you know i'm essentially a commission-only salesperson at this point look and if you're good you mm -hmm. develop repeat business mm -hmm. and you you know you're not really going to start a services business that doesn't get you repeat business because mm -hmm. it takes so much energy and effort and time and cost to get a customer you want that customer coming back a couple three times a year mm -hmm. you know at a minimum mm -hmm. preferably more than that mm -hmm. um but yeah get you know it's it's got to have some repeatability not sure if that's a word but mm -hmm. you know we invent things. Yeah, there you go. It's got to repeat. Mm -hmm. And so that way your cost of getting a customer gives you a much kind of bigger lifetime value for that customer. And you work really hard by giving great, what's this business? Service. Mm -hmm. You keep customers and get more by giving great service. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, look, it works. No question about that. And, and often, I think we said this, it could be a good beginning business. And it's something that you can go and, you know, mowing lawns is a service business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what kid doesn't, you know, get some smart idea when he's 14 to go around to the neighbors with his dad's lawnmower and says, you know, you're paying, you know, 80 bucks to get your lawn mowed and I'm going to come do it once a week for 35. Mm -hmm. That's a service business. Mm -hmm. That is a phenomenal business to get going mm -hmm. as a young person to understand 
all the ins and outs of the business. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Eventually, you work out that ah, this is really hard work. Summer, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, you, you like all the kind of pitfalls, you, you kind of work out by doing it. But you know what? You go and earn a bunch of money for a year or two. And, you know, you're ahead of the kid that's playing video games, you know, down the street. Mm-hmm. So we did we did that the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. We started a company called Snazzy Pools and we decided we were going to go clean everybody's pools. And it lasted for a, about three months uh, until our buddy <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, if you're listening to this, I still blame you, overchlorinated somebody's pool, gave a guy's wife, you know, some rash or something, you know, oh, whatever it was. Um, that was the end. and that was the end of snazzy pools. It was a, uh, it. it was a short lived, but for the couple of months that we were doing it, we were making really, and I think we were each making like a couple hundred bucks a month, which was always sure. needed at the time, but it was like, exactly. exactly. You know, um, and look, and just on that, if you're young, you know, I, I hope we pick up more kind of young kids that mm-hmm. listen to this and mm-hmm. inspire it, man, mm-hmm. just world is your oyster. Yeah. Go and start doing, go and fail as many times as you can. Right. When you're in your teens, it doesn't matter. You're just going to learn, learn, learn. You know, what's funny um, hearing you say that. So a guy I really like to follow his name, Sam Parr, he started the hustle Mm -hmm. um, and sold it to HubSpot. And he actually just recently, I just looked it up. He just recently tweeted um, what his college, you know, what his college hustle was. And he had a hot dog business a hot dog stand called Southern Sam's and his marketing was uh, Southern Sam's wieners as big as a baby's arm uh, was his, was his, was his marketing. Um, But I think he said he made like reference in my head that I want to quote. Yeah. But I think it was like, he said something like he made 150, had 150 grand saved over the course of college by doing literally by sitting outside of frat, frat houses late at night when the parties were closing down and selling hot dogs and they were hungry. And, uh, that I thought that was pretty, that was pretty good. Um, so service business, here's a couple of things that I found myself struggling with. I, I did sort, I was like a a service business entrepreneur, as you, as you would call it for a couple of years. Um, and what I found was it was either feast or famine. Um, and what I found the model to be really, and like what you said was the repeat business. So basically what I was doing is I was helping a few different friends who had different advertising creative type businesses that they were trying to launch. And I was basically helping because I knew the space, I was helping sell the product. Um, and so I was essentially helping, you know, two or three different businesses, uh, sell in there. Most of them were founders who didn't have sales experience or just didn't want to do it. And they just happened to be in a area that I had some expertise in. But what I found out quickly was the first six or eight months was really good because I was able to get in there, sell the product. It was a product that people wanted and needed. Um, but fast forward 12 to 18 months and none of that business was repeating because for a couple of reasons, number one, um, what both those companies did was pretty niche. So when they needed it, they needed it. But if they didn't need it, they had no reason to talk to me or deal with me. Um, and then the other thing was at the time, advertising and media was going through this. this it was kind of when the social media influencer was really blowing up. And so everyone, marketing dollars were changing and it was sort of just like- Algorithms are changing. Algorithms are changing, you know, uh, this is great, but we can get it for cheaper over here. And it literally just became this, this. Um, and what I found myself was going, man, I'm, I'm working twice as hard and worrying twice as much and making about the same as I would make if I went and just got a sales job at a really good company, maybe actually right. probably less. Um, right. And I think a lot of people get into that mode where they go, yeah, this was a really good idea, but I overestimated what I could make. And then I overestimated the amount of time it would take to make that. Yep. Um, and so it is that service business or the consulting or that kind of thing. It really is a fee. It can be a feast or famine until you hit a certain level. Um, right. And have it's a certain level of expertise, right? Yeah. The, like you think about what Angie's List and Thumbtack and these kind of apps have done. I still use Angie's List to this day. I had, a, had my uh, HVAC, you know, go out and I go into Angie and I get four quotes and it's awesome, mm-hmm. right? And, and all those trades are paying Angie to be on there. And I don't know what they're giving them, you know, 10, 20, 30%, whatever. But, you know, it's a, that's a, a platform. Right. So I can go in the other way, the direction you go is you create platforms for things and that's how you get scalability. But, you know, it, you just still can't get away from the fact that services is hard. I, my only kind of um, 
thought would be is go as niche as possible mm-hmm. in your services. Mm-hmm. Like do one thing really, 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 really good. Service the heck out of your customers mm-hmm. and then try and get your hourly, you know, kind of, you know, income up mm-hmm. as you get better and better and, and offer more premium kind of type service. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another another con. So service business, we sort of talked about the pros, low setup cost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a well-known business model. Like you said, you put a number on an hour, you put a number on a service, you go right. out into the market and see who wants it. Um, right. So some of the cons, which we've sort of talks about, talked about client management, depending on who you are, can be difficult um, or not fun, depending on who the client right. is, whatever. Uh, right. Tough cash flow, time-based billing, expensive to scale. One thing Correct. that... Yeah, one thing that I think was interesting is um, this idea of like all you, you know you're building someone else's vision. So you're mm-hmm. essentially just helping people. You're, whatever your services, you're helping people achieve what it is they're trying to achieve, um, right. which we've talked about some. And that I think there's a time where it's actually really important to build yeah. somebody else's vision. I'm a big, right. big believer in that. Um, but yeah, there you. I guess in the service-based business, you're you're kind of building your own company, but you're also just kind of always building what you know, someone else's thing, um, right. which I think for a true entrepreneur at the end of the day may be a really difficult thing to um, do long-term. What do you think we about that? we get to products now? Let's get to products. Let's get to products. Okay. Okay. So product, product business examples, or let's just talk about this. Let's talk about definition of a product-based business. I mean, you could start with, you know, hot dogs or donuts, mm-hmm. right, through the software. Mm-hmm. So it's a either a physical or a digital thing mm-hmm. that people give you money for mm-hmm. and either buy at one time or what's happened in the last 10 years, 15 years, is this incredible thing called software as a service, mm-hmm. SaaS, mm-hmm. right? So um, I can sell a donut. Uh, Interestingly, what's what I'm seeing, I don't know what you're seeing, and I bet you it's happening in LA, but there's these shops now that are selling products and you are doing a subscription mm-hmm. and you're getting X amount per month. Mm-hmm. They're literally taking the SaaS thing and applying it to products. Mm-hmm. And so I, is, is it Taco Bell or one of them? Like, it's like I can pay and I get X amount of tacos. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do that. We do it with vitamins. I do it with a vitamin. I I do my vitamins every month by a company called Ritual, and yep. they're they're even here's what's so genius about them is they know that people skip days, and yeah. so five days before your new batch is supposed to ship, they send you an email and you can snooze the order, and it nice. basically just pushes it out another thirty days, so you're never canceling, yep. you know, and yep. and sure enough, I still have three bottles of backup in my, of course, in my you know in my bathroom or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, everything is is that way now. I do that with my Nespresso pods, mm-hmm. right? And I have Nespresso in LA, but when we're here in Park City, I just I just brew the old Starbucks French mm-hmm. rose, mm-hmm. Um, and you know I pause them. So so okay, product okay, from like some kind of food to some kind of widget to some kind of you know software hardware, right? Mm-hmm. Probably the best. You're going to put ease of which to kind of sell a product mm-hmm. hardware. You know, it's probably the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of manufacturing, a lot of R and D, a lot of capital X. You know, on the on the front end. Um, but let's just, you know, let's say you're passionate about cookies. What's that? What's that uh, ad where I think it's either FedEx or something where the couple gets a mix master, mm-hmm. like they do it in reverse, mm-hmm. and like they, like we don't bake, and they start making cookies, and they sell more, and they box them up in their kitchen, and then they get this warehouse, right? So, like that's like the classic thing, and and again. We say it over and over and over. Do your passion. If, if you love donuts, and I do, <laughs> you know, and and if I was ever going to sell something, I would sell donuts. Mm-hmm. And you know, it would be like the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like you got to love what you do, mm-hmm. get really good at what you do, and then go make it. And so, you know, from from physical things that you eat or touch mm-hmm. through to software. Mm-hmm. Those are products, man. Mm-hmm. We have a. Uh, it made me think of. We have a good friend, a guy in our church. His name's Tony, who listens to the pod. What's up, Tony? Um, hey, Tony. He uh, he's a. He was sort of one of the highest rated bartenders, mixologists in in the city of L.A. Let's give him a shout out. Is it? It's Ghost. Ghost Ice. You know Tony, of course. I know Tony. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was sitting next to him at church at, in a few 
few weeks ago, and we were, he was giving me the whole pitch. Man, awesome. Tony, Tony, talk about someone who is obs- absolutely obsessed with what they do and making yeah. every part of what they do. He's like mixologist better. on steroids. He's a scientist. He's literally a like a chemist, and he invented this thing called ghost ice, which yep. I, you know was a, a take on I think something that was kind of already being done. We should he, put it in the show notes. Give yeah, me a boost. Yeah. yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. He's he's now, I mean, man, he's getting reached out to by some of the biggest restaurant groups in the Love world it. right now. And then Love he came it. out with an individual product. But essentially, instead of, he's selling ice. He's selling <laughs> these trays. He's selling trays that make these ice cubes when you go to a high-end cocktail bar. You get, like the, the, you get the, the clear, trend the clear ice. One, mm-hmm. one big cube, right, in mm-hmm. the drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so you think about a guy who makes a good living bartending at a really nice bar, yep. but says, you know what? Here's something that I can do Love and it. do better. And now I can not just sell it to restaurants, but I can sell it to individuals. So now you can go on Ghost Ice. I think it's $199. And mm-hmm. you can buy a home edition. So when right. you have people over to drink bourbon, um, yep. you know. Not that we're endorsing. Not that we're like endorsing anything. drinking at all, okay. at all. Although the first time I met you, I was so impressed because you were a Christian that had a beer with me. And that was what Did that I? was. That, oh, yeah. I, I, I blame that on being Australian. <laughs> that, well, that's what I thought. We came, me and, me and Chris came and met you for a beer. And we were like, who is this Australian pastor who just, <laughs> who just had a beer with us? I'm in, I'm going to that church. That was, that was, um, it, it was a good evangelistic. Yeah. Church. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, that's exactly what it is. It's in this, and, yep. and he's obsessed. It doesn't matter who you are. He will talk to you. He will show you the product. He will show yep. you how the product works. And he is always- always 101, mm-hmm. right? He's working. He's really good at what he does. He sees an opportunity. He goes and starts a business mm-hmm. and away you go. Mm-hmm. That's like the greatest pathway to success you could ever make. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, again, shout out one more to Tony. And Tony, if you want me to cut this part, I will. But Tony could leave his, at this point, Tony could leave his job. And, right. and 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 do at this some point he's gonna have to. at some so, point he's going to have to. But right now he's putting every ounce of money he makes back into the business. That's what you and do. is still working four nights. A, yeah, four nights a week at the so bar. He's working four nights a week, mm-hmm. and he's building his business and he's making profit, putting it back in, getting more customers, putting it back in, getting more customers. Work. He's probably working sixty hours a mm-hmm. week, and he's mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. and a young family. Mm-hmm. Right. So don't give me. I don't have the mm-hmm. time. I don't have the. And like, by get the way. And by the and way, what, serving at church, building a church, at, at church every week with his three kids. So let's we can throw our our pastor. Uh, we do need to have Tony on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. He shows up on Sundays looking exhausted, but he's at church, loving it. And his kids are running around. His kids are running around. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, that's the model, right? Mm-hmm. That's you know, like without kind of purposely going there. I'm talking about bootstrapping what it takes to get going. Here's a guy with a passion mm-hmm. working his butt off, and man, that thing's mm-hmm. gonna explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. So, obviously, all the pros of a product-based business: um, ability to scale, ultimately a more predictable revenue forecast, p- potentially right. lower overhead. Right? You build a product and you sell it a th- that product a thousand times or two thousand well, times or whatever. Hundred percent, right? Um, like mm-hmm. you think you get the donut machine, right? And you 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 know, smash out a thousand donuts a day, mm-hmm. you know, software is the ultimate mm-hmm. build it once, sell it a million times for no more cost, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, much mm-hmm. more scalable, much more lower cost. Yep. Um, downside. Let's talk about the downside to a product-based business. Um, what does that look like? I guess there comes to a certain point where you always got to be looking behind your shoulder, wondering if a big incumbent is already building it or, you know, competition. Yeah. yeah or whatever, or whatever that is. Um, Market downturn. Mm-hmm. You know, some, you know, if it's kind of a food based kind of business, you can, you know, you're affected by the economy, right? Mm-hmm. Recessions and so on. So, you know, you're, you're, and look, that affects every business, right? People mm-hmm. go from, I got my lawn mowing business and they're going from twice a week and they might go to every three weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that does hurt every business. But, um, look, it's the same. You, you got to keep an eye on your competitors, mm-hmm. always be innovating. Um, delight your customer every mm-hmm. time they use your product mm-hmm. and they will keep coming back and using it. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it's done. If you take her off the ball, some just like you did, mm-hmm. you, know, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, like whatever year it is, some some scrappy new couple of young kids are going to come up and, and try and take a chunk out of your market. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's com- that's the beauty of capitalism. Mm-hmm. The, the consumer wins because the competition keeps making things better. 
And, you know, as much as I don't really like Android and, you know, I, I love Google, I love Alphabet because they do like phenomenal products. And I, you know, when they kind of came along with the Android phone operating system, ultimately, I think it made Apple better mm -hmm. right? because it, you've just got someone like, like, uh, you know, Blackberry got smashed, Ericsson got smashed. They mm -hmm. all got, they were just, you know, a roadkill, mm -hmm. but these two companies just keep making you know, their products better. So, you know, mm -hmm. competition is good because the consumer wins. Mm -hmm. That's why we want fair and, and, and competitive markets that ultimately drive prices down. Although, you know, you look at Apple, man, they don't drive their prices down. <laughs> they charge like 1400 bucks on a phone now because mm -hmm. they get away with it. Mm -hmm. So there's all kind of other things to talk about in there, but you know, you're going to have competitors. You've got to stay sharp mm -hmm. and uh, you've got to stay on top of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So entrepreneur, they're young, they have a job, they're tinkering on the side. You got to make it, they got to make a decision. They ask you, Dean, do I build a service-based business or a product-based business? What do you product tell them? Product, product every time. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if, and if you want to get going, you know, as your first foray into business, go, go with service, you know, and, and but you got to have a skill. Because there's someone out there more skilled than you, and mm -hmm. they're going to sell their service. And, you know, so it's – but look, I'm a product guy mm -hmm. every time. From mm -hmm. from doing skateboards with the kids, you know, we, we went and bought like a 1,000 skateboards and printed them, you know, on the back. And, and like I've always been into products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah. my, that's my thing, though, but – a lot of smart people out there made a lot of money doing services. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you think of a, you think of like a legal zoom. You know, group of lawyers get together, they productize yeah, right. what they do, and now that's a multi billion dollar company. Uh, so I guess there is something to that. But yeah, product, absolutely, product, absolutely. product every time. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? What else? I, mean, this is all I, I love talking about this. I think you know what would be cool if we talked about in in some episodes coming up. Um, Everyone, if you're an entrepreneur, you, there's some things you've got to be able to do, even if they're not naturally you and you're not naturally talented. One of those things is sales. And I, I want to do an episode mm. that I want to talk about how selling mm -hmm. is absolutely critical for the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I, I'm going to hire a sales guy. You can't afford a sales mm -hmm. guy yet. Mm -hmm. You have to be the salesperson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I've heard I've heard it said the CEO, the founder, should sell the first million dollars and totally in product or first, business. You know, mm -hmm. a thousand customers or whatever mm -hmm. it is, hundred mm -hmm. percent. So mm -hmm. uh, let's let's as we've been talking about all this, that keeps hitting me in the back of my head. It's like, I love man, that. We got to teach people how to sell. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, look, I'll give you a tip. Selling is one thing. Persuasion, mm -hmm. all it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's all it is. I love so, that. Um, yeah, so but you know, we should we should do a series of episodes on on sales. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be really valuable. Same, it's my natural. Gift. It's all I I'm love. all I'm good at doing is talking. So yeah. you know that's <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, and then another thing we're gonna do. So if you're if you're listening, um, we're gonna start a segment where someone can come on the podcast and pitch us, pitch us an idea, pitch us a business. So if you're listening, email me. It's mw mw at vast dot faith. And Perfect. we'll set up a time for you to come on and pitch us your idea, pitch us the product, um, and go from there. So awesome. Awesome. This man. has been fun. Dean, have a good rest of the day, man. And uh, we'll see Thanks, you everyone. we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye.